Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast, and thanks for joining us. We hope this encourages you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on how God is actively moving in your life. Enjoy the message. You know, I'm gonna, I'll never forget the first time I heard uh, uh, this message, and it was a message, and, and I don't remember what the name of the message was, but I remember the gist of the message, and it was this. It was something along the lines of that one big thing. Everybody look at your neighbor and say that one big thing. And, and the message was, it was so inspiring, and, and it was biblical, and it was godly, and it was good. It was a message about finding God's purpose for our lives. Finding that one big thing, you know, he's put me on this earth to do. And the message was really about breaking out of the status quo, the humdrum of Christianity and realizing that God has not put us on this earth to blend in. He put us on this earth to stand out. He has got a purpose for your life. But my teenage self took that message and ran the other way with it. While I was excited Because I was like, yeah, God, I'm going to make Jesus famous. Don't act like you ain't never heard that before. And and a lot of you said it too. And then I'm sitting like, Holy Spirit's like, oh, hey, bro, he's already famous. He don't really need you to make him famous. I'm sitting over here just like, I'm so pumped because you you mean God's got more for my life than just being a godly father? God's got more for my life than just being a faith, you know, just being a, a faithful elder in the local church. He's got more for my life than just, than just owning a business and giving God glory and credit for it. And I kind of went the other direction with it. It was like I was always trying to find that one big thing. Like God had done this in my life and it, it wasn't big enough. It wasn't big enough until I got famous doing it. Then I really had done something for the Lord. Y'all quit playing and acting like you don't think this way sometimes. Some of you dudes, you ride by some houses. The other day I was going to meet one of my friends here in the church for lunch. And I pull into like the Harris Teeter parking lot. And right there parked in the middle of Harris Teeter parking lot was this bright red Ferrari. And this bright shiny black Range Rover. You know what went through my head? Can I just be honest real quick? You could have had all that, you know, if you'd have just stuck with your CPA plans and working your way up the ladder. You ain't successful. Look at you, man. You ain't doing nothing. That's what was going. Now, I know, can some of you men just identify with me real quick? You struggle sometimes with the idea of success. We're looking for that, that one big thing. Now, while that one big thing, that idea was exciting, it also, it haunted me. Because what if I picked the wrong big thing? What if I married somebody who wasn't my soulmate, you know, the one? We'll talk about that on another day. What if I said the wrong thing to one of my kids at a very pivotal moment in my life, in their lives, and I sent them on this deep, deep, dark trajectory of life? What if I picked the wrong major and ended up messing up my entire life? 
And what if I heard his voice wrong? Because maybe it wasn't him talking. Maybe it was my subconscious mind. Why is it so hard for me to know God's will? Now, I know I'm not alone in this because I hear a bunch of amen and, and some oh me and then some mm. So either you ate too much cheese last night or you agree with me. Because I know that there are some high school seniors in this church right now, and a lot of them are skiing, praise God. If you didn't get to go skiing, you still need to praise God because you're blessed more than 99% of the world. You need to thank your mom and daddy for putting food in your belly and a roof over your head. And don't complain they didn't have the money to send you skiing. I thought I'd get more from the parents. I'm just trying to help y'all out. The older I get, the more I try to help y'all out. Used to, back in the day when I was a youth pastor, I'd just tick the parents off. Now I'm trying to help y'all. I got to make up for what the locusts devoured. There are absolutely high school seniors in this church that are supposed to know what they're going to do with the rest of their life as 17 and 18-year-olds. Now, whoever decided that, that is the, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, Right? Um, let me give a little shameless plug. If you don't know what you want to do, or even if you do know what you want to do, why don't you get a couple years of good quality college without going in debt and go to Wayne Community College? I'm a bison. It is smart. Some of y'all are like, what kind of church is this? He's over here plugging the local community college. Absolutely, because it's like the best. <clears throat> there are single people in here that even today you've already been wondering if you already missed the one. And now there's going to be nobody for you. We second guess so many of our decisions because we are afraid to miss God's will. Now, how many of you would love it if you had a surefire way to know God's will in every situation? Can I just, I need to really know. Some of you don't care. Some of you like, what if you were, you were, um, you were going to pick your major, right? And you're like, oh, God, I need help. I need help. And in your mind, all of a sudden, you're just thinking, you know what? I'll be a marketing major. And by being a marketing, well, I guess that wasn't God's will. So, God, maybe you call me to go get a degree in management. It's management that, well, the marketing people are the first people to go. The managers are the second people to go. The last people to go into business are the accountants. God, you want me Praise the Lord. You know, students, what if you get like three different people ask you to the prom that you don't get to have this year? Is that too soon? It's too soon. I'm sorry. You're like, God, you know, I guess it's Bobby. Bobby, I'll go with Bobby. I'll pick him. Well, it's not Bobby. My names are going to be real bad, okay? I just want to warn you. I, I, and if your name's Bobby, I'm not saying you're, please don't cancel the church because I picked on your name. You can find something better to cancel us over, okay? Well, maybe it's Tommy. Maybe Tommy. Maybe I'll go with him. No, 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 no. Maybe it's, it's, it's Andrew. I'll go with Andrew. And then we know it's, we know it's, wouldn't it be awesome if it was that easy, right? It's, but it's not. <laughs> but it is. But it's not. But it is. I want to challenge your thoughts this morning concerning doing God's will, because that's the mentality the majority of us has is that I'm going to find God's will and I'm going to go do it. And this morning, what I want to point your attention to is that God's will is not a destination. It's someone we become. 
It's not a point in time where we get this rush of feel goods and little butterflies and twirlies in our stomach and it's just like, oh, I'm sitting on the front porch, two kids run out from behind the house, I'm drinking lemonade, my Bermuda grass is perfectly manicured and I just say, and then I pull out my online banking, stacks on deck in the bank account and I'm just staring thinking to myself, you know what? I'm in God's will. Yeah, this feels great. I want to get us out of this destination mindset and get us back to a biblical concept of what it looks like to not do God's will, but to be in God's will. Someone that lives their lives according to a different set of standards. And because you live your life to biblical standards, it's almost like his will becomes second nature to you. Someone that wakes up every single morning relying on the Holy Spirit to transform our minds. You see, being in God's will isn't just knowing what you ought to do. It's wanting to do what you know you ought to do. And that takes more than just some knowledge. It takes a transformation of your mind that when God says, do this and it doesn't look pretty, now you've got the mm to want to go out and do it. In Romans 12, 2, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Over the next three weeks, we're going to break this verse down. We're going to spend three weeks on one verse, so I hope you're ready. Bring your notebooks. This week, we're going to talk about the end of the verse. We're going to talk about testing and discerning God's will. We're going to talk about that God's will is good. It is so good that it's acceptable and that it's perfect. Next week, we're going to talk about not conforming to the world. And the week after that, we're going to talk about our minds being transformed. I don't know about y'all, but mine, not mine, needs to be transformed. Could it be, though, that many times we don't recognize the will of God when it walks into the room because our lives are being molded by the world? We're misconfigured. Trying to fit God's will into a worldly way of doing things. Could it be that you hear an amazing message here on Sunday morning sometimes and it's, it's clearly God's decreed will for your life. You don't even have to pray about it because it's in Scripture. And we take it home and, and we try to, oh man, that's good. I get excited about it. And we take it home and we try to shove it until our current pattern of thinking and, our cur- and it doesn't work. We're like, ah, it must not be God's will. It's not God's will unless it fits into my life. But maybe God's will is not supposed to fit into your life. It's supposed to change your life. I think too often we dismiss things the Holy Spirit is speaking to us because we can't figure out how we'll have enough money to do it. We don't see enough time on our schedule. We don't have the skills to do it. 
But I find very rarely in scripture where God calls anybody to do anything where they've got everything they need to make it happen. In fact, God is a God that uses weak people who don't have enough money, who don't have enough skills, who stutter, who have horrible character, and then he changes them in the process of them carrying out the will of God. Could it be many times we can't see how God's will can fit into our lives because we're trying to shove it into a mindset that has not been transformed. We're moving away this morning from doing his will and we're stepping into being in his will. You can fake doing. can't fake being. And you can be the greatest doer of all time and be the most rotten scoundrel on the face of the earth. You can even accomplish things for God and not know him. Open your Bibles. There's so much in this little verse, but I really believe that in this case, if we don't understand the last little line... The rest of it's not going to make sense. So we're going to do the last thing first. Everybody okay with that? Y'all are used to hearing this. It doesn't matter. That's what we're going to do anyways. (laughs) That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In order to move from doing to being and in order to come to a place of becoming rather than arriving, we must understand what God says about his will for us. And the first thing is this, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. In other words, this, you can know God's will. God's will is not something that only pastors know. It's not this mystical, unattainable, unachievable thing. Scripture tells us right here that by testing, we might discern what the will of God is so we can know it. Now, there is some will of God that we don't have to pray about. One of this, that's his decreed will. It's God's word. And let me say this, God's commanded will for your specific life will never violate his decreed will that is found in scripture. I I need to say that again because I hear it so many times. People are like, I'm looking for God's will in my life. But you're looking for God's will. Imagine a road. Everybody imagine a road with me right now. Anybody been on a road where there's a double yellow line, right? Right, And we imagine that that double yellow line is God's very specific will for your life. And that road is God's decreed will found in Scripture. You with me here? Many of us are trying to get to that little sliver, that very specific will that he has for our life. But unless we're on the right road, we're never going to get in that little sliver. We're not going to find God's specific will for our lives living a life that violates Scripture. So we can know God's will. His decreed will in God's word is already crystal clear. Don't lie. 
Don't steal. Put others before yourself. And then when you realize you can't do that on your own, ask Jesus to save you and transform you and give you his righteousness. His commanded will, though, it's those in-between decisions where the majority of us struggle. Like, who will I marry? Well, there's some stuff in Scripture about that. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? Most of you know that, but still, sometimes there's three godly options left. <laughs> Which one do I go with? It's some of the Bible doesn't speak to everything that happens in our lives. Now, some of you just think I just committed a heresy. The Bible gives us principles to live our life, but it does not necessarily tell us exactly what house we should buy and should we live in the city or the country. God say in the country, but... <laughs> just joking, that was a joke if you're new. By testing, so we can know his will. But there's another word used in there and it's the word discern. Discernment is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. And it comes when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Discernment is different than plain old decision making. It is a spiritual process by which the Holy Spirit speaks to us in consolations and desolations. In consolations, his, his affirmation process comes with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And in desolations, his, his voice comes to us with an ah. By the lack of the fruit, of the, by the lack of joy, by the lack of peace. That's why many times you hear things like this. It's like, well, how, do you have peace about it? Whether you realize it or not, you're being biblical. You're using the practice of discernment. You're realizing that you can do a pros and cons list and still make the wrong decisions. We've long said it at this church, but patience, impatience drives more people out of the will of God than anything else. And the majority of the time when you feel driven like you have to make a decision right now is probably when you don't need to make the decision. So by testing, we can discern, we can know God's will for us. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, this is enough to talk about for weeks on end, but it's so important. Why? Because the enemy wants us to believe that his will is not good. That's, I know you're probably looking for something way deeper than that. The enemy wants us to believe that his will for us is not good. In fact, that is how the serpent tempted Eve. He convinced her that what God wanted for her was not the best thing for her. And that's the exact same thing that he will do to you and he will do to me. And if we don't have a deep down faith-filled belief that God's will is good for our lives, why would we ever pursue it? His will is so good for you. But good does not equal easy. Good does not equal easy. 
This isn't just spiritually. It's a truth spiraled all through creation. Asparagus is good for you, but a donut is sure easier to eat. Especially with coffee in the morning. Family devotions at the end of the day where you get out the word of God and you teach God's word to your children is not easy. In fact, I'll tell you what's easier. WandaVision is much easier to send them to bed on. It's much easier, but it's not as good. One of the issues we've got with believing that God's will is good is that many times the human definition of good is this. That which brings me the most comfort, that which requires the least amount of steps, the least amount of work, and that which does not require difficult change in my life. But God's will is so good for you, he doesn't really necessarily care exactly how you feel all the time about what he's putting you through. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, don't take me the wrong way. I ain't saying he don't care about you. He loves you. But he loves you enough to tear that tail up every once in a while. He loves you enough to ground you from the Nintendo Switch for a couple of weeks. At a, some of you kids know what I'm talking about. You're grounded right now. He loves you enough. Why? Because he is a good, good father. And he won't withhold good things from you even if they are uncomfortable. We struggle with the concept of good because we have, just being honest, we've got a poor perspective. We don't see everything like God sees it. He is seeing his creation through sinless eyes, completely untainted by this world. Nothing like we can imagine outside of the confines of time. We're embodied in this flesh. We live in a world whose ways are completely opposed to God. And on top of all that, as if that's not enough, there are spiritual darknesses and principalities fighting against us. But God sees our lives outside of all that and he knows what is good for us. But we got perspective issues. Most of you know it. My family and I, we, we, we live on a small little farm and we got a little wedding venue thing that we do. And every single time we have a wedding come up, the bride say the same thing. I sure hope it don't rain. But inconveniently enough, and it'll really mess up your, 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 your mind when it comes to the sovereignty of God and does he answer our requests and stuff? Our little farm's surrounded by hundreds of farm, acres of farmland. So if you cross the creek, the farmer's praying for it to rain. And if you cross this creek, the brides are praying for it not to rain. <laughs> Who wins? I don't know. I know this though. I know that we have messed up perspectives many times. We're only seeing things from the angle of what we see, but we serve a holy God, which doesn't just mean that he's blameless. It means he's nothing like us. He's completely unique. And he sees things in a different way than we see them. The reason we also struggle with the idea that God's will is good 
is because we got timing issues. We want everything and we want it right now. We oftentimes run out of God's will because of impatience. And when things don't start looking good, a.k.a. easy, we chunk deuces and we roll out of town. You know, many of the writers in Scripture pondered this underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They were confused why sometimes the wicked path looks good. Whoever said crime doesn't pay, that ain't true. Crime does pay. It does. You can get very rich by doing the wrong thing. But then the judgment. Sin will thrill you and then it will kill you. But we have issues with time and we want things to happen right now. I am so grateful that God operates on a completely time schedule, different time schedule than me. If he had given me everything that I wanted when I wanted it, I wouldn't be alive today. I hope y'all are being real with yourself. God's will is so good for you. It's going to work out. That's not a cute little church saying. It's really going to work out for your good. In the end, it will work out for your good. This is part of the learning, though. This is a part of the becoming. It's part of who God is shaping us to be so that we can not just be knowers of his will, but lovers of his will. Because many times, I've said this already, but God's will is being given to us and it's so clear, but we don't yet love it like we should because we don't think it's good. What if God causes your child to a, a, an unreached people in the 1040 window that is completely hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Caitlin, what if he calls one of our children? We've been talking about this lately. We got one that says he's been called to be a missionary. That don't look good. I want them home on Thanksgiving. Heck, I want to go hunting every weekend together. But his will is good. It's good. And that might seem so elementary, but maybe we need to return to some elementary doctrines and start praying some simple prayers. God is good. God is great. God's will for your life is good. It's not just good, though. His will is acceptable. That's what Romans 12, 2 says. Now, our, you hearing the word acceptable and you're like, man, eh. you know, if you're out to eat, someone's like, hey, how's the food? And this is acceptable. <laughs> Ain't exactly what it means. I guess the best word to explain this is this, is that there will be nothing more satisfying in your life than his will. Now, if you want a quick fix, go do something else. If you want a sugar rush, go taste something else. But if you want to be satisfied, 
If you want to lay your head down on your pillow at night and be really, truly satisfied, then his will is the perfect prescription for your life. And if we don't believe his will is good and we don't believe his will is satisfying, then what we'll do in our flesh is we'll sabotage the process so that we don't have to know so that we can ignore his will. So we need to know what his will is like before we start pursuing it because what if it appears to us and then we try to do what we do so many times and we try to shove it into, uh, you know what, this don't work. It's not worth the work. It's not worth the time. You mean I'm going to have to sit and submit and serve for five years before I get a leadership position? Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. Because if you can't follow, you sure can't lead. You can, you can run around and you can chase every opportunity in the world. But his will for your life is good and it's satisfying. You might not always understand why this is happening and why that is happening. But it's good and it's satisfying. It's more satisfying than having a full bank account. His will is satisfying. Now, his will for our life is an acquired taste. It is. Anybody that wakes up and tells you, that, oh, yeah, I mean, God calls me to do things, and I just, I just love doing them all the time. I love, I love spending $150 on somebody else. Some of you are sitting here thinking, well, I, I actually do love it. You know why you love it? Because that's who he's made you to become. But there was a point in time in your life, that first time he ever told you to go do a something special, special for somebody, and you wrestled with it. You battled with it. Because all you could think about was the money, and now you're at a place and point in your life where you're just thinking, I just want to be obedient. His will for our life is an acquired taste because the path to patience is lined with opportunities to be patient. The path to maturity is lined with resistance. The path to kindness is lined with chances where you think your anger will fix it better than loving kindness. The path to humility is lined with moments where, guess what? You are humbled. The path to learning selflessness is lined with moments where you would rather be selfish. What we learn as we become the person that God wants us to be, we will see that his will is so pleasing and so satisfying to you. It's so difficult. Teenagers, listen up. Y'all smile at me. What's up, Jacob? Welcome back. Proud of you. Hey. He was at, in Hawaii for a long time. Six months. Yeah, training to share the gospel. Possibly be a missionary. We ain't gonna tell mom and dad about it if you, if you do, okay? We're glad. We're grateful for you, man. Grateful for you going and dedicating six months of your life when a lot of people are probably telling you you need to be making progress with your career, blah, blah, blah. That ain't gonna never hurt you, bro. We're, we're proud of you. Amen. Amen. His will 
is so satisfying. We will learn that what we ought to learn, but we will begin loving what we ought to love. Might not always give us the quickest jolt of feel goods, but it will bring lasting peace, joy, and ultimate satisfaction. His will is not just good, not just satisfying, but it's also perfect. He has thought of everything. Every tiny little detail. He has a custom fit life that is created just for you. And he's already factored in your stupidity. Can I get an amen? amen. Two hands. I'm going to go two hands and a leg right here. I got enough stupid for five people in me. It's his will that is going to bring you to a place of maturity. That word perfect, it really means to bring, it's, it's a place where you are the best you'll be. See, it's not just about what you do. It's about who you are becoming. And his will for your life is going to bring you to a place of maturity so that we can live out Philippians 1, 6. That I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to ask some of you to get out of your heads. What do I mean? Some of you are already thinking what, I'm, what I thought this week, and that's this. Well, I messed up this, 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 and that, and that. So aren't I technically already out of God's perfect will for my life? What is he going to do? Is he going to zoom me around and bring me back and snap me in line? Or does he create a new will for my life? Let me just say this real fast. And I, and I say this, and, and I, I'm going to speak to a very specific belief system, and I'm not attacking, but I'm, I'm just speaking what I feel inspired to say. So many people, mortal human beings, are trying to explain the sovereignty of a holy God. They're trying to use a cute little acronym to explain it so that they can have a way to fit every little thing into a system of thinking. But how arrogant is it is for us as mortal human beings to sit here and believe that an acronym can appropriately define the sovereignty of a God who is nothing like us, who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing. You can't. So get out of your head. Is God sovereign? Yes. Do we have free will? Yes. How does it work together? I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and one day, according to 1 Corinthians 13, today I see things like through just a, just a, a muddy window, but one day I'm going to see it all crystal clear. I'll understand it in the sweet by and by, but I probably ain't going to understand everything here. His will is good. His will is satisfying. You can stand with me. And his will is perfect for us. One of my favorite passages in scripture and probably one of the most challenging for me to understand is in Luke chapter 22. It's the story of, of Jesus and Pastor Steve he, uh, he read it last week. By the way, wasn't that an awesome message last week? Good grief. See it, say it, 
sow it. Thank you for my star. You'll be my bright and shining star from now on. And the verse says this, and he came out and he went. Now, this is right before Jesus was about to be arrested and crucified. As was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you might not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. This is the verse that I wrestle with all the time. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, fully God, fully man, but a perfect representation of a human who did not sin is put on the record questioning the will of the Father. It is not wrong to question his will. That's called being human. And I think we see the humanity of Jesus come out in this verse. Now, did he have intentions to go against it? Absolutely not. He was blameless and sinless. It's not wrong to question God's will. It's human. It's not wrong to wrestle with his will. In fact, I'll say this, and we'll talk more about it over the next two weeks. If you don't find yourself wrestling with his will, chances are it's not his will. Because your flesh is going to always struggle with his will for your life. It is, it, your flesh and the spirit, they're not exactly best buddies. They're at battle with each other. Jesus about to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins was wrestling with the goodness of God. He was wrestling with the deep satisfaction that God's will bring and he was wrestling with the perfect nature of God's will. But it was God's will that Jesus would go to the cross to die, to pay the price for your sins and for my sins. It was that thing out of a horrible, bloody mess that did not look good, that did not feel satisfying, that actually looked like rather than bringing things to maturity it looked like it was the end God used that to bring about a plan of salvation for all of us now aren't we grateful aren't we grateful aren't we thankful that Jesus at a moment in time when he was questioning the will of the Father, would say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Why? Because the will of the Father is good and there's nothing else in this life that's gonna bring you as much satisfaction than being in his will. And it's his will that is gonna perfect you into the person he's making you to become. What an example that even though the cross was part of the destiny of Jesus, even though he struggled with it, he still fully embraced it. And this morning, I want to challenge you to do the same thing. The next two weeks, we'll be talking about a little bit more about the
practical side of knowing how to be in God's will. But this morning, I need you to remind yourself that his will for your life is good. His will for your life is satisfying. His will for your life is perfect. Part of his decreed will in 1 Timothy 2.4 is this. It's his will that all will be saved. That all will be saved. It's his will. And this morning, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here this morning, you are not saved. You are not following Jesus Christ. You know you're not a believer, but you felt the Holy Spirit beginning to unravel some things, take some blinders off your eyes, and you feel now the overwhelming desire to confess your sin and ask Jesus Christ into your life. If that's you, will you raise your hand right now? And you say, that's me. I'm not saved. I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me. Come on, slip up your hand right now if that's you. I see you. I see you both. Praise God. I see both of you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Praise God. If you're online right now, you can write a little comment. You can send us a message and someone will pray with you. For those of you that that slipped up your hands, I want to pray with you right now, right where you are, and just pray with me. Say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was for me. Save me, change me. I don't just want you to be my savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you raise your hand to be saved, um, they're gonna put a number on the screen really fast. And I want you, this is really important, I want you to please follow through on this because this is just the beginning of your walk with the Lord. I want you to text Born Again BC to that number, 757 Um, eight, seven. Can we just thank God right now for two people who gave their life to the Lord? Yes. How many of you would admit that you are, you got some decisions to make right now that you're seeking the will of God on? I want you to get your hands up high right now. All right. Here's what we're going to do right now. The team's going to lead us in a song, but I want us to think maybe just dial the volume back just a tiny bit because I want want you to pray a prayer. This is the prayer I'm going to ask you to pray. It's called the prayer of indifference. Now, I know many times we hear the word indifference and we're like, uh, that's not a good thing. This is the prayer of indifference. Not my will, but your will. God, I am indifferent to the biases and the decisions like I've already made before I asked you what you wanted. Because we do that. We, we, we're like, oh yeah, I'm, we're, I'll pray about it. You ain't gonna pray about it. You're just gonna think about what you already decided. But I want you to even like in some of these decisions that you're making, I want you to lay, I, I mean, and maybe you need to do it with your hands. I don't know, maybe you're not that person. But I want you to actually take that thought that you've already got that you are so certain about and you hadn't prayed about it yet. And I want you to just like lay it down and just say, you know what, God, it's not your will. It's not my will. It's not my will, but it's your will. God, make me indifferent 
to the personal biases that I am bringing in to this process of discerning your will for my life. And God, I don't just want to arrive. In fact, God, I don't want to get there until I become the person that you want me to be. Right? Can we pray that this morning? Let's pray right now as a church. God, we come to you right now and we seek out your will for our life. We declare that your will is good. We declare that it is good, that there is nothing better for us in this life than your will. God, we declare that your will is satisfying. God, we know that we will actually live our best life when we are in your will, that there is nothing more that will be more satisfying than your will for our lives, God. We declare that your will is perfect. God, you've thought of every little detail. You're bringing us to a place of maturity even when it's uncomfortable. God, and in these decisions that we're making, God, we lay down our right to be right. And we declare, God, that we might be wrong. And we ask you to make us indifferent to the preconceived, the pre-thought options that we're coming to the table with. And you're gonna show us, you're gonna be a lamp into our feet. You're gonna be a light into our path. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us consolations in the night when we're making the right choices. We pray that you would give us desolations when we're going in the wrong direction. And we submit ourselves to the perfect will of God. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. We hope that you have been encouraged today. And if you're looking for more information about who we are as a church, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. Be sure to join us again next week as we continue to grow together in God's Word.